Hallelujah. Good day to be in the house of God. It is a good day to be at Timbers. Come on and make some noise if you all are happy to be here this morning. Oh, my goodness. I tell you, I woke up this morning like, okay, God, this is really happening. I'm back in PG, the same place it all started, back at Timbers. And I tell you, I am super excited. I'm super pumped. We're going to rock it out this morning, and I'm going to give you everything that God gave me. But I am excited because I believe that there is something so intentional about God that he places us exactly where he wants us, when he wants us there, how he wants us there, and he has a way of giving us exactly what we need. Can I get an amen in the house if you believe that's true? And those who know me, you all know I'm not a quiet preacher, so don't get quiet on me. You all know what it is. So if you all agree with something that's being said, feel free to shout out amen, all right? Amen. A few days ago, uh, I got to meet your pastor, Pastor Andrew. We had such an amazing time together. Come on and give it up for your pastor. I had an awesome time with him. I was so delighted to meet him. We had just a really great time of fellowship and getting to know one another and getting to learn each other's journey. And I was really just blessed and encouraged to hear just what God is doing and what God continues to do in Prince George, a city that I absolutely love. I was with my Canadian dad, many of you all know him, Brother Allen, and I told him the other day, I feel like I could be like a spokesperson for Prince George. I really feel like I can like boost the tourism of the city because I really love it here, from the coffee shops to going somewhere and they're like, hey, I thought you moved, you're back, to being at a park and running into like three people I know all at the same time. I truly love this city. And I truly am thankful and honored that God in his amazing ways sees fit to continue to bring me back yearly. Most of you are aware I come back yearly to do a conference for OFC up in College Heights. And I tell you, God has been rocking it out with those women for the past few days that I've been there. I see some of you all out in the crowd that have been a part of that. And uh, God has done some great things. And so many of you all know that my voice usually is not this deep. And so please pardon me. I've been preaching for the past few days. And so my voice is a little raspy this morning. But I feel good. I feel ready. I woke up ready. You all know I wake up ready. Come on, somebody. You all know I wake up ready. And so I want to hop right into the word because I believe that though I'm super excited to see you all, that I'm super excited to be right back here at Timbers where God ordered my step originally eight years ago and has brought me back four years later, um, that there is an assignment that God has for me here today. I don't believe I'm here by accident, but I do believe that there is an assignment that God has for the word that he's given me for you all today. And so as you all are sitting there, feel free to turn your Bibles if you have them to the book of Psalm. It's a scripture that you all have heard at some point, I'm sure. It's Psalm chapter 118, and we're going to rock it out in that text. But as you're looking for that scripture, I want you to keep this thought or this phrase in mind. And that thought or phrase in mind would be, if this is God's day, then my response belongs to him. I'm going to say that to you all again. And you all know me. I'm going to act like I'm at home preaching, all right? Uh, and I told you I've been preaching for a few days, so I might be a little hyped today. I might be on 10. Um, but if this is the Lord's day, then that means our response belongs to him. We sing the songs often. We read scriptures often that talk about this is the day that the Lord has made or this is the day of rejoicing. And as I was praying this morning, asking the Lord, how do you want me to present this message to your people? He said, tell them that if it's my day, then, my, then their response belongs to me. If it's my day, then their response belongs to me. I'm going to say it to you again. If it's his day, 
way, our response belongs to him. So that means that no matter what we're facing, no matter what we experience, there is a response that God is still holding us accountable to give to him. That means that our response is not dictated by what we're experiencing, but it's dictated by the goodness of the Father. It's dictated by the goodness of God. And so we're going to rock it out in this text. I want you to think of that particular phrase, but I also want you to think about how often God allows us to experience what we need to experience, even when it's uncomfortable to produce something in us. Our experiences are not always comfortable, but God's plan for us is to always produce the best in us. So can I put it to you this way as I hear God saying it to me? If the experience is not comfortable, but God knows that it'll produce the best in us, what looks like a worst case scenario can be the best day of your life when God's hand is on it. It may look like something that you cannot escape, but when we tap into faith, when we tap into the God decision, when we tap into the God response, what looks like a worst case scenario can often be the best day, but it also turns into a day of productivity in our faith. It's all about how our faith is produced. Amen? And so I'm going to turn my Bible as well to Psalm 118, and as I'm turning there, I'll update you guys very quickly over the past four years. That's going to be a quick update, right? I'm going to update you all on what's been going on for the past four years. Uh, God has done amazing things. Many of you all know uh, about three, four years ago, I started a nonprofit organization, Bridge of Hope Global. Uh, I went to Africa on a one-way ticket, a completely leap of faith, had no idea what I was doing, and God wrecked my life, changed my life, did some crazy, amazing things. And I ended up starting a nonprofit, Bridge of Hope Global, where last year I purchased land, which I'm super pumped about, and just finished building my first school there, which the kids are actually already doing school there, so God is faithful. I've been ministering, of course, the past four years since I've been away from you all. I've watched God do some crazy, amazing things in the U.S. I've watched God do some crazy, amazing things in Kenya and Uganda, and he continues to really blow me away as I continue to just give him my yes. I have not had all the details of what God has wanted to do, but I have continued to give God my yes. And if there's anything that I would encourage you with in this moment before we rock it out in the scripture, it would be that God still, I hear you, God, he still requires your yes, even when you don't have all of the details. I believe at least a few of you all need to be reminded of that in this moment, that you may not know what's getting ready to happen next, but God still requires your yes. You may not know the details, you may not know the if or ands or hows or whys, but I hear God say that he still is requiring your yes because though your situation changes, he has not. He is not. You may not be comfortable, you may not be familiar in the season that you're in, but I hear God say, though the things around you may be changing, the Lord your God has not changed. Somebody say amen. Let's rock it out in Psalm chapter 118. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It reads as follows. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures. Somebody say forever. forever. Oh, come on and say forever like you really know what forever means. 
And it goes on to say, let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say his mercy endures forever. Verse 5, I called on the Lord in distress and the Lord answered me and set me, somebody say a broad place. Somebody say a broad place again. Now, just for a minute, I want to interject because I was reading this text. The Lord brought me to the New International Version, and this is where I want to start plugging in the thoughts that God has given me for you all today. In the New International Version, it says in verse 5, when hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. In other words, I did not know what I was doing. I felt like the walls were caving in on me. And in the midst of me being confused, distracted, and distressed, God suddenly, infinitely, in a miraculous way, brought me into a spacious place. It then goes on to say in the New International Version, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. I look, I look, I see, I appear to look like I am triumphant in the face of my enemies. As I said to you all for our thought for today, it would be if this is the Lord's day, then our response belongs to him. Let's rock it out in a word of prayer really quickly. God, we thank you for who you are. We reverence your presence in this place, acknowledging, God, that we can do nothing without you. Father, we recognize that we are so honored and so privileged to be in your presence in this very moment that you have handpicked us by name, physically positioned us in the seat that we are in so that we could hear exactly what you want to say. And so, God, in this moment, I ask that they would not see miracle, but that they would see you. I pray in this moment that everything within me that it wants to be said, that it would be led by your leading. God, I pray even in this moment over the areas of your sons and daughters' lives that may look dry, dead, and desolate, that there would be, I hear you, God, there would be an oasis of life that sprouts up in them. I pray even now, God, for those who are in this room struggling with family dynamics. I pray, God, that restoration, restoration, restoration would come to their family. I pray, God, restoration would come to their family this year. I pray that restoration would come to their family this year year. Not tomorrow, not next year, not five years from now, but in this moment, may there be a now movement that you bring restoration to their house. Father, we know that you're the miracle worker. We know that you're the God of miracle signs and wonders. So for those families, I just declare restoration in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. As I was praying, I just kept hearing God say that he wants to bring restoration to a few people's family. And of course, I don't know any of you all's family dynamic. I don't know what your circumstances may be. I just really sense that God wants to bring restoration. And restoration sometimes comes in unusual ways. 
Sometimes it comes in ways that we have not expected for it to come. But when we allow ourselves to be positioned before God, he starts to do things just because we're in alignment with him. Can I give you this example before we rock it out in the text? You all, I told y'all I woke up ready. Y'all know I told y'all your girl woke up ready. All right? I'm getting a picture of the doors that you may have in a hospital or a public place. And just because you're in certain proximity to the door, the door opens. There is a sensor once you get in a certain proximity of the door that the door knows that you're trying to, oh, God, I hear you. You're trying to make an entrance into that door. And I hear God say that faith, oh, you all got to excuse me. Woo! I'm about to act like I'm at church back home. I start shouting around. Um, I hear God say that faith is looking to sense that you are in proximity of receiving what God has said. In the same way that a door opens up because it senses your proximity, God is saying in this very moment that there are some things that faith has the ability to release for you, but it's waiting for your arrival. That's good news. That's good news. Y'all can look at me like y'all crazy if you want to, but that's good news. That faith is waiting on our arrival. Ah, come on, somebody. I said faith is waiting for our arrival. Can, can we just think about that for a moment before we walk it out in, in Psalm 118? Faith is waiting for our arrival. Faith is waiting for our thinking and our actions to line up with what God told us. We may say we believe what God said, but are our actions positioning us to receive what God said? We sing about it. We even tell God we can sing about his love forever, but sometimes we don't talk about his love for days. But we sing that we can sing about it forever. Oh, y'all don't want to be real with me here. But God is challenging us to position ourselves that we may receive everything he has. Not some things, not a little bit, not a little something, something. But he positions us when we're in alignment with him to receive everything that he has. So the Bible says in Psalm 118, specifically verse 5, where I want to focus our attention for the next few minutes in here, is from this perspective of not only it being God's day, not only it being God's response that is due unto him, but recognizing a few things. At this point of Psalm 118, David has more than likely an instance of what God said would be his in a royal sense, him taking the throne. And in that, David is reflecting on everything he had to experience to get to where he is. And if I were to start to give you about three to four points, which you all know, God just rocks it out and I just stand up here and he does the rest. I would start with point number one. If I am going to live my life how God wants me to, I must recognize that what God allows, he has purpose in. If I'm going to live my life the way God wants me to, 
I must recognize he has purpose for what he allows. That means that everything I experience in this life is not a wasted moment. There are no wasted experiences. There are no wasted emotions. Everything that God allows, he has purpose for it. And can I tell you the good news about how God rocks it out when he gives us purpose? That when he gives us purpose in a matter, he also allows it to look like Romans 8:28 and allows everything to work for our good. Because sometimes we think that God is only about his glory and not about our good. But in every aspect of our life, God is looking at us, looking for areas of where he can get the glory. Can I get the glory from you in the storm? Because if I can, guess what? I'm going to allow the storm. If I can get the glory from you with the door shut, I'm going to allow the door to shut because I know that glory is on the other side of it. Somebody say glory. Come on and say it with me, y'all. Rock it out. Say glory is on the other side. And if glory is on the other side, that means that my response will start to look like praise. That means that my response will start to sound like a hallelujah. That means that my response will start to reflect what I see. If I were to say it to you in this moment, how I hear God giving it to me, I would say to you that what God wants to do in you has everything to do with what God wants to do through you. Everything that God wants to do in your life has everything to do with what God wants to do through your life. What he's trying to get out of you. So here is David declaring the praises of God Declaring the reality of what God has been to him. Declaring the mercy of the Lord that reigns forever. And he's reflecting over the goodness and the mercy. The mercy recognizing that there are things that God allows to pass over us that we actually deserve to have been our portion. We recognize that the grace of God are the things that God gives us that we do not deserve. But the mercy of God are the things that we actually do deserve that God allows to pass over us. So David is going through reminding everyone that God's mercy reigns forever. But then when we get to verse 5, we see David reflecting on his times of being distressed. And you all don't have to raise your hands because you all are a little bit quiet this morning. I know it's been four years, y'all. Uh, you all a little bit quiet this morning. But if you were to think of moments in your life where you felt like things around you were caving in, moments in your life where you felt like, God, are you listening? God, are you here? God, do you know what's happening around me? And in those moments, you may not have known how God was going to turn your situation around, if God was going to turn your situation around, or even why God would even allow what you were facing. 
But when you fast forward to where you are today, you recognize that the walls did not remain closed in on you forever. You recognize that whatever it was that you were facing, that it was not going to take you out. You recognize that whatever your trial or whatever your hardship was at that moment, that it did not take away your ability to still believe what God was capable of. So David says, when I was distressed, you put me in a broad place. The, the, NIV, the NIV version read that we read said that when I was in a hard place, when I was in a place that seemed stuck, you put me in a spacious place. If I could bring to you point number two, I would say to you that as we pursue God, we cannot be confused by the enemy in the sense of knowing he wants to pursue you. If God is pursuing you, that means the enemy is pursuing you as well. What am I saying? I'm saying that the more you pursue God, the more distractions the enemy will bring to you. As David made his way, you all, most of you all know the story of David. As he made his way closer and closer to to what God had for him, there were various trials and tribulations and hardships that he would face. But I believe that if David were here today, he would say something along the lines, because you know he probably sounds just like me, right? He would probably say something along the lines of, you know, I was trying to run from God. But I heard what he said to me, and I kept moving on because I knew that I had the victory anyhow. That's what he would say, like, you know, in 2019. But in the Bible, we find him saying that God set him in a spacious place. Speaking to the reality that God placed him somewhere that before that happened, he did not have capacity for. Can I take a minute and just encourage you all in a few, for, uh, for a few moments and, and let you all know that there are things that God desires to do in you that right now you may not have the capacity for, but when God starts to shift things in your life, you will. You may not see how God is going to do it. You may not even know all of the answers that surround how God is going to do a new thing. But I hear him say that if he could give David the story that he could give David, can he not do the same for you? Can he not take you from a distressed place and put you in a spacious place? Can he not take you from a place of confusion and put you in a place of clarity? Can he not do the same for you. And the truth of the matter is that often it's not about if God is going to do it for you. We often doubt the reality of if he's capable of doing it for us. Because maybe we've looked at what God has done in other people's life. And we wonder, God, it looks like you're doing all of this for all of them, but where's mine? Have you ever asked God that question? But God, where's mine? When is it going to happen for me? When is the cycle going to stop? When is the depression going to leave? When am I going to have a actual peaceful rest at night? When is it going to be my day? But I continue to hear God say in this moment again that every day that we wake up, the day still belongs to him. And whether or not he does what we think he's going to do, our response also belongs to him. 
to him. That means that we can't be easily distracted when we feel like God is not on time. And I can make this point here because according to verse 5, we recognize that if David was put in a spacious place, we also recognize that there was a time where his place in life was not spacious. It was not full of blessing. It was not full of comfort. Which could only tell us that if God desires to put us in a new place, a better place, a different place, then it requires for us to experience some things that are uncomfortable. It requires us to experience some things that we don't always like. But the beauty of how God works is that he gives us this testimony that allows us to speak to where we were, but also to where we are. That our whole life is not spoken from the lens of where we used to be, praise God. Our whole testimony is not from the lens of where we used to go, praise the Lord. Our whole testimony isn't about what we experienced 15 years ago, thank you Jesus. That there is something that God does in the middle where he shifts our story and turns us from a place of distress to a place of blessing. There is a season of our life where yes, God calls us to sow, but as we all know in this room, that then there is a transition where God says it's now time to reap. But the reaping season cannot exist without the season that we were sowing. And the space that David is in in chapter 118 of the fifth verse is this place of reflection, recognizing how faithful and how gracious God is, but how God has positioned him somewhere that life told him would not be. And all of us in this room can attest to there being moments in our life where we just didn't know where we would be. But the grace of God has a way of taking us from what we cannot understand and allowing faith to be our compass, positioning us to get exactly what God said. This is why I'm saying to you that faith has to be the thing that challenges you. Faith has to be the thing that causes your response to look different. Faith has to be the vehicle that you use to get to what God says. I'm going to say it to you all again like I hear God giving it to me. Faith has to be the vehicle that gets you to what God said. It won't be your intellect. It won't be your bank account. It will not be your education. It will not be your family. It will be the faith that you having God that will get you to what God said. It will be your faith. It will be this unwavering belief system that causes you to believe God when everyone else says to doubt him. And David would have been positioned for many years of his life to doubt what God said. He would have been one of the best people, him and, and Joseph and Daniel, like there, there's various people who would have been perfect examples of doubting God. But for some reason, they continued to give God their yes. They recognized that the day that belongs to the Lord is not just the day where things go our way. 
Yeah? The day that belongs to the Lord is not just the day that we gain that promotion. We say, this must be the Lord's day. I didn't got a promotion. This must be God. Huh? I didn't know how I was going to pass that class because Lord knows I didn't study for three weeks. This must be God. We look at the positive things of being that must be God and the negative things that that must be the enemy, not recognizing that there are some things that are inconvenient that have produced the best in us. Can we prove the devil a liar in this moment and recognize that every negative thing and uncomfortable thing is not the enemy trying to attack you? Huh? I know you all don't like this preaching. Y'all like, what? Because it makes us uncomfortable. It, it challenges us. And you all know me. Y'all know I wasn't going to come here with some, God bless you. Like Joe Olstein, this is the day that the Lord has made. And live your best life now. When does he want you to live it? Now. How does he want you to do it? In the grace of No, I'm going to come here and I'm going to tell you that there are going to be some challenges that you're not going to want to face. But on the other side of that challenge is going to be a spacious place. On the other side of what we may face that we don't want to, pardon me, we don't want to face is a beautiful thing that God wants us to walk into. And that's the grace of God. That's the favor of God. And if we take a minute and think about the favor of God, we recognize that favor sometimes looks and feels real crazy. Huh? You all remember the story of Mary, and then we'll go into point number three as we come to a conclusion with this message. But do you all remember the story of Mary and how the angel came to her and the angel said to her, you have been favored among all the other women in the area. So you are getting ready to be the mother of the Savior of the world, pretty much. And this is happening to you because you've been favored. God has favored you. You've found favor in the eyes of God. This is a good thing, Mary. People are going to talk about you your whole life, but God said you're favored. People are going to think you're crazy and you were not telling the truth. And there's no way that you could be pregnant by the Spirit of God, girl. You know you lying. That's what people are going to be saying to you. But, but, this, but the angel says to her, but Mary, don't worry because you found favor with the Lord. And if Mary was here today, she would probably say, well, how did I get something I wasn't looking for? Because I sure wasn't looking for this. God, can you come find your favor and take it back, please? Because I didn't really sign up for this kind of life at 14, 15 years of age. This really wasn't what I had planned. So I know you said that you're trying to bless me and all, but you know if you want to take this blessing back, I don't mind. Because we're taught that favor means the blessings and the gifts and the increase and the promotion. And oftentimes we're not told that the favor looks like ridicule. We're not told that the favor looks like three boys in a fiery furnace. We're not told that the favor looks like a man named Daniel in a lion's den. We're not told that because we look at that as being the enemy was against Daniel because he would not bow. And the enemy was against those three Hebrew boys because they would not worship. No, it was God presenting an opportunity to show off and let everybody know that God is running the show. And he used the hardness of man to manifest the goodness of his works. 
He used a person who would not change their mind to produce the works that only God could manifest. And if I were to say that to you again in a different way, I would say it to you in this way. That there are things that God wants to produce in you just to show you what he's capable of. And though it may not be comfortable at the moment, can I tell you that rejoicing will come after this. It will come after. It may not come right now. It may not come tomorrow, but there will be a season of rejoicing after. And so let's go back to the text for a few moments. The Bible says again in Psalm 118, after he says, I called on the Lord, verse 5, in distress, and the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. He then says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. But can I read to you again this good news in verse 6? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can men do to me? As I'm reading that text, this might seem like an interesting example to give, but as I'm reading this text, I'm thinking of how when I was a teenager and we would break up in teams to play kickball or freeze tag or all these sorts of games. But I always hated when they would choose two captains and they would choose the people who they thought ran fast and all these sorts of things. And you know, I've never had a whole lot of height on me, you know, which is probably why my shoes are probably like four or five inches um, because I've always been a bit smaller in stature or short in stature. And so I wasn't always the first person chosen when we would play these games because I was always the youngest and I was always the smallest. And so I was one of the ones at the end where the two captains are trying to figure out, you know, do we want her or do we want this one? And I would always kind of feel like, well, at least I had one up on somebody because if I get chosen at least before the other person standing there, at least I got picked before them. And I always would get on these teams, and I wasn't always a whole lot of help. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't always a whole lot of help to the team. You know, your girl sometimes slowed things down. You know, it, you know, it wasn't always a good thing to have me on the team because I really wasn't a fast runner. And so I reflect in this moment on what David is saying, where he's saying there's no need for me to have fear because God is on my side. In other words, he's saying that there is someone on my team who will work on my behalf. He's not just working with you. He's working for you. He's not just coming alongside to partner with you. He desires, he meaning God, desires to do with you and for you what you can't do for yourself. He says he's on his side, that there's no reason for him to fear because he knows who's with him even in the face of adversity. And I have this good news as we go to point number three with this conclusion that as David finds himself rejoicing over what God has done and as David finds himself considering the reality of what God has presented before him even in his moments of distress, we recognize the beauty of this last point. That at the end of the day, 
it's not really about who's on the winning team. At the end of the day, it's not even really about if you're on the winning team. At the end of the day, it's not about if you received the best score in school, if you received the promotion at work, or if you finally got approved for the home you wanted to buy, or if you finally purchased that car that you classified as your dream car. It's really not about what you attain in this life. It's really about who's on your team even when you feel like you're in a season of lack. It's really about who's giving you confidence when you don't have the confidence to carry yourself. It's really all about the one who has the ability to give you this boost of joy when the world says you shouldn't have any. It's really about this God that finds us in where we are and has a way of reaching into what looks like the long-awaited thing and brings it into our right now moment and reminds us that because we are partners with him, because we are partners to the throne of Christ, because we belong to God, there are things that we will just walk in alignment to. It goes back into this example of the door. The example that I started this message with concerning the proximity between where you are and where it is you desire to go. For David, he found himself in a place of praise and thanksgiving to God that his response is now reflection of what God has done. But we know the beauty of life is this, not just the things that God allowed us to escape has built us, but the things that God allows us to experience is often the thing that makes us. And so while the mercy of God and the grace of God gives us things and presents, prevents things, there's this thing again called faith that calls for us to live our life in alignment to receive what God has, but positioned to be immovable. David is able to say God is so merciful and God is so gracious and God has hid me and God has rescued me because he lived it. Because he knew it to be true. He wasn't writing just to sound good. He was writing from a place of experience of what God had done in him. And if I could share in this moment with you that what God wants to do in us as his sons and daughters has everything to do with how we allow our response to be in reflection to what we believe belongs to him. Can I put it to you this way as an example? God, you've given me this job, or you've blessed me with this entrance into this school. And though it may not have been the job I initially wanted, though it may not have been the school that I first chose, I recognize that you've opened a door for me. You have not closed the door, you've opened a door for me. And though this is not the door I expected for you to open, though this is not the thing I thought you were going to do, I choose to give you a response as if this was my first option and my only desire. I hear you, God. God is saying, I desire for your response to look like this is your only option or your first option and your only desire. Sometimes our response looks like 
it's not really what we wanted God to do. Sometimes our praise looks like this isn't really what we expected. Sometimes our response looks like we would have preferred God to do something different. But when we look at David, there was a whole lot that he could have said about this journey. But we consider and we look at the reality of everything that we see him doing. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. He makes it very clear in this text that everything he has done has been from the standpoint of God completing a work, a desire, a request, a need, and not on his terms. Not on his terms. Not on the terms in which he planned for, but on the terms that God has desired. There are many things in 2020 that God could do, but there are many things in 2019 that God wants to do now. There are many expectations that you can have for God to do tomorrow. But what about the reality of what God wants to do today? We started off by presenting the thought that if this is God's day, then our response belongs to him. If what we've been given is his, then our response should reflect that what we've been given is really on loan to us, but actually belongs to him. At this moment, I want to offer a word of prayer with you together corporately, believing that not only are we together as sons and daughters of God, positioned for where he wants us, but that God is asking us a question in this moment. And that question that he's asking us in this moment from the youngest person in this room to the oldest person in the room to the person who feels like nothing has happened right in their life to the person who feels like everything is going exactly how you planned, he asks us this question. Whose vehicle are you in? And is it capable of getting you to where he has destined? I said a few times throughout this message that that vehicle has to be faith. That the posture and the position of David had everything to do with knowing that no matter what adversity came, there was a God who stood for him. That no matter how many times he had his hopes up for certain things, that there was this God who would not fail him. And the beauty of particularly that verse in verse 5 is that His response could have stayed in him being distressed, but because his story changed and God did something different, his response was different. And I believe that God desires for our response to reflect what he's already done as a proven track record of what we know he will do in the future. Again, God desires for our response to be in reflection of what he's already done, that it may be used as a track record for what we know he will do in the future. I hear God say, you already know what I'm capable of. You already know how I rescue you when you thought that you could not be rescued. You already seen how I provided when you had no more answers. 
You've seen what happened when you came to the end of you. You began a process with him. You already know. But he asked us this question today. And that question is, are you in a vehicle that's capable of getting you to what God has promised? Are you able to position yourself like David with these, with these verses of exhortation and praise unto a God who has been a source of strength because weakness actually existed? Because we do recognize that God can't be our strength if we do not experience weakness. We do recognize that God can't be a miracle-working God in our life unless we actually experience an impossibility. You do know how that works, right? You do know that you can't say God is a miracle-working God, but yet you have no impossible situation. Miracles take place in impossible situations. And there are just certain things that God will produce in us and through us because we're in alignment with him. Our faith senses that we're in proximity and doors start to open. In the midst of a place of distress, in the midst of a place of not always knowing what's next, there is a God who continues to show you what's now. Can I say that to you again? In the middle of not always knowing what's coming next, you serve a God that can show you what is your now. Somebody say amen. Amen. Will you stand all over this place with me? Thank you, Father. I want to offer a word of prayer with you. But I want to give you lyrics to a particular song that the travel team that I've started, we sang it, I think, a year, a year and a half ago, two years ago. And you might have heard this song, but I want to give you the lyrics of the song because I really want it to resonate with you. Of course, I'm not going to sing it. All of this would just turn into a really quick disaster, really quick. And, um, yeah, you wouldn't remember anything. All you would remember is how horrible the song sound. And so I'm going to give you the lyrics, and it just simply says, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. If there's an environment that can create exactly what we need in this space and time, it would be calling God as the one who makes a way, calling God to be the one who is a miracle worker, Calling him by name as being the one who presents light in darkness. When we are sure, oh, make sure you hear this good. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. When we are sure of who God is, we find ourselves no longer confused about what he will or will not do. Because we are sure 
of who he is. I didn't say we know what he's going to do. I said we're sure of who he is. When we are sure of who God is, all of the external factors no longer have the same weight. Or I hear God say burden. But are you sure? Are you sure of who he is? Do you have a mind that is made up about God? You know, sometimes you meet a person and no matter what that person does for the rest of your encounter with them, for the rest of your life, you've made up your mind about them. You made up your mind about how they're going to respond. You made up your mind about how they may not change their mind. We make up our mind about people all the time. But I hear God say, will you make up your mind about me? Will you have a made up mind? An assurance about me. Because I, the Lord, your God, change not. Just as a sign of surrender, nothing spooky, nothing out of the way, if you wouldn't mind just lifting your hands. I just want to stretch my hand to you, and that just means that I'm believing that God is releasing everything that I pray to you. In the same way that an officer would say, not to any of you all, because this has never happened to any of you all, but for your cousin or the stranger who has gotten pulled over and they say, pull your hands where they can see them, not any of you, but the person who lives down the street from you, um, they would say, put your hands where they can see them. Because basically your hands out just symbolizes that you're of no threat. There's nothing in your hands. There's nothing that you can do. And sometimes God is saying, I need to see your hands. I need to see that you're not praying and asking me to do something, but yet you still have your hands in it trying to do it at the same time. Sometimes God is just saying, hey, I really want to do it, but you're in the way. And so that's all we're doing. That's all why we're lifting our hands. And so, Father, I thank you so much. Man, God, you are so faithful. I thank you so much for what you're doing in this very moment. I thank you, God, for that prayer that you released in this atmosphere about restoration for those families. I thank you, God, that just like David in a place of distress, you brought him to an open space, a broad place, a spacious place. And in this same season, God, I release as I stand right here before your sons and daughters that you desire to do the same for us. I speak and I declare even now in Jesus' name. That doors that have been closed in this year, we will see doors open that we did not expect. Father, we come in alignment right now saying that we desire for faith to be our vehicle. Not our thoughts, not our education, not what we think we can do. But for faith to be the vehicle causing us to know that every day, whether we like the day or not, that it belongs to you and our response belongs to you and our position belongs to you, God. And Lord, in this moment, I ask you that everything in our life right now that may feel like a burden, but you're trying to show us that there's something in the weight. I hear you, God. There's something in the weight of what you're carrying that's going to produce something good. And I hear you, God. This is for at least 15 of you in this room. I hear God so clearly say the weight of what you're carrying is getting ready to produce something in you. 
I hear God say it may not be comfortable, but the weight of what you've been carrying is going to produce something in you. Don't think that it's heavy. I hear you, God. Wow. Don't think that it's heavy for no reason. It weighs what it weighs for a reason. You're feeling what you're feeling for a reason. You're experiencing what you're experiencing for a reason. But God, I release in this atmosphere that you're getting ready to show at least those 15 people in this room why they had to carry the weight, why that was a burden, why you did not release it yet, why you have not given them the answer yet, why you have not changed it yet. I hear you, God. He has not changed it yet because there's something he's producing in you right where you are. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your presence that is so liberating in this place. God, I thank you for timbers. I thank you, God, that this church continually is a place of restoration, a continual place of growth, a continual place where people will find freedom in you. I pray even now, God, that there would be such a move in this place that people would walk through those doors, God, and things that were chains will be something that used to exist, but it no longer exists. That you would use their new pastor, this man of God, Andrew, God, that your fire of the Holy Spirit, the precious blood of Jesus Christ that gives him the ability to do things he's never imagined, God, use him like never before, stretch him like like never before. Give him things that he never thought you'd give him before, God. Give him new, I hear you, God. Give him new instruction. Give him new blueprints. I see you in front of a blueprint. I see a literal picture of a blueprint like an architectural work, and I hear God say, I am giving you a spiritual blueprint for this church. I am giving you a new way for this church. I'm giving you a new sheet of paper, and this paper will show you what discipleship looks like for this people. It will show you what salvation Look, I hear you, God. It will show you what community development looks like. And I hear God say it's already in your hands because you've been obedient and faithful. I hear God say that he allows situations to happen just to get you in this place. Yeah, it's not by coincidence that you, Andrew, are in this place. It's not by coincidence, Andrew, that you are in this place. I hear God say, think it not strange. It's not by accident. It's not by accident. It's not by accident. I hear you so loud and clear. It's not by accident. It is God's divine plan. And so even God, with this word and with your sons and daughters that are a part of this ministry and those who will come in the weeks, in the months, in the years, I thank you, God, for new understanding, new revelation. I thank you that you're not turning over a new leaf. You're giving them a whole new forest. I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you will continue to breathe, to blow, yeah, yeah, to blow on this house, God. In the scripture, when God would blow on something, for those that don't understand, in the scripture, when God would blow on something, it means that he'd give increase to it. It would start to multiply. New life would come on it. And I hear God say that's what he wants to do in this house. He wants to blow on it. And so, God, I thank you for the blowing. I thank you for new people that will come in these doors who've never met you, God. I thank you that people who don't know anything about God will come in these doors and they will say, I did not know God before, but I want to know all that I can know about him now. I have no church experience at all, but something tells me that there's something on the other side of what I do not know. God, I hear testimonies arising from this place. 
yeah, yeah, thank you, God, thank you, God. Just say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, God, that these women, these men, these boys, these girls, that they're a part of your kingdom. This is bigger than a church. It's God's kingdom. It's not the four walls. It's God's kingdom. Father, reign in this place. Rule in this place. Rest and abide in this place. Blow, blow on this place, God. I thank you, Father, that you've humbled me to be here today. I thank you that you've honored me to be here today. I do not consider it for granted or take it lightly. I recognize, God, you assigned me to be here today, and I'm so grateful. I am so grateful, God, that eight years ago you brought me to this place, and I watched how you blew on my life in this place, and I speak and declare the same blowing effect on your sons and daughters in this place. May there be joy in this house. May there be rejoicing in this house for the things that you have done. We declare this is your day, Lord, and if this is your day, our response belongs to you. Let all God's people say amen, amen. and amen. God bless you so much.